I don't know. There's got to be parties, right? It's, it, you, you're, you're not part of... It's like you're not part of the football team. Like, you could join the football team and even play a game. But you're not uh, part of the football team until you get to go to the football party. Right? I have no experience with this reference at all. <laughs> okay. It's like... Uh, it's like when you have your bar mitzvah, um, <laughs> and nobody comes. Did you really become a man? I never had a bar mitzvah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what to tell you there. That's just... Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> All right, internet. We're the uncultured saints, keeping it... um, Very, very uncultured saints. Very uncultured saints. Um, Keeping it something that approximates real. Uh, I'm Pastor Goodman. Uh, Who are you? I'm I'm Pastor Eli Lutzow. All right, so um, today I want to talk about something that, that almost nobody wants to talk about, which is pretty typical when I get to, to talking about my hobbies. But um, today, and instead, we're going to talk about uh, Christ's descent into hell, the the harrowing of Hades. That's your hobby? That's not my hobby. Um, we don't need to talk about my hobbies. That's, that's the other <laughs> podcast. Um, okay. Now people are going to search for it. They are. <laughs> I didn't know you had another podcast. Just keep looking. I'm not telling you the name of it. Um, Neat. So it shows up in the creed. It shows up in passing in in one, maybe two or three Bible verses. Um, but it, it's it's a major article in the Formula of Concord, which is the book that we've we've been um, walking through as we we sort of try and relate this into culture. And um, it, yeah, in, why is that? I mean, do we know why that is? What? Because the the uh... The Augsburg Confession doesn't have this as an article standing alone. I, I don't think anything else. I mean, they certainly mention uh, the descent, Christ's descent into hell. Mm-hmm. But why, why does this one stand out like this? Why, why did they make sure to throw this in there? Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but we are coming right off of the article about um, the two natures of Christ and, and the, the union between um, the, the divine and the human nature. And so if Christ is, well, died and buried and descended into hell and on the third day rose well how did he descend into hell and and again we sort of butt up into the the limits of of our reason and well confront that faith actually does mean faith that sooner or later we are actually going to have to trust god on this thing am i am i off yeah this here? no i think you're right i mean this is this is part of the issue because we're gonna start thinking about this and when we when we think about it with a rational logic, then yes, we are going to want to actually make sense of it all. So, so the question, let me pose the question to you, uh, Pastor Harrison Goodman. Sorry, um. <laughs> they're going to expect way more when we start to expect a Pastor Harrison. He's a president. Uh. <laughs> Lower your expectations, folks. Yes, uh, no, I, I apologize. Um, but so uh, when Christ descended into hell. Uh, if if you would have uh, uh, rolled away that stone, uh, would would Christ's body have been there? Okay, so when and I the the honest answer is I don't know. I do know that that the divine and human nature were are in communion with one another, and so they they don't divorce from each other 
at the crucifixion. And so I'm, I'm certainly willing to say that, that, of course, Christ in his body descended into hell. But if you want to start to get into the how and the exactly when and was like, did he rise like right away as soon as they rolled the tomb shut and just sort of pace for a while, get bored, go into hell, get bored, come back. I don't know. Um, but what matters, though, is that he did. What matters that it is that he proclaimed to the spirits in prison the victory won upon the cross. Yeah, we've already talked about this with, with uh, this sort of thing. Right. In, in it was last, like you said, last week and probably the week before when we were ta- it, talking about communion, mm-hmm. talking about the, the, the nature of Christ and all of this. It, it, it goes to say, okay, so uh, Christ is uh, bodily at the right hand of God. Yeah. So what does that mean for communion? Oh yeah, he's he's there. Christ is there. All of Christ. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Not not like the toenail uh, in this piece and and the finger in that piece. Christ, you receive the body of Christ. That's what the word says. Exactly. Right. You receive God. You receive God and man. Mm-hmm. You receive the body of Christ. In in the same way, in this descent into hell, uh, he descended. You you cannot. We talked about this last week. You can't separate the 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 two natures of Christ in his person. So, I mean, the, the problem with this is, is the people who get really hung up on these kinds of details usually have a bigger problem. Um, like when we, when we look at um, pictures of Christ descending into hell, we're like, well, how come his clothes didn't catch on fire? Um, it's a good question. Right, except it's really a pretty <laughs> stupid one um, because you're trying to disprove the whole of the religion by the detail that, that you're assuming and imagining in the first place. It's sort of like when um, the, the surgeon comes in to, to tell you about the operation he's going to do on your mom. My mom just got her, her hip replaced. Uh, she, she's part robot now. Um, and um, Terminator. Terminator. Yeah, she was scary before. Um, I love you, Mom. Um, the Fourth Commandment's a thing. But but when, when the surgeon comes in and starts to explain the procedure, and your eyes kind of start to glaze over at least a little bit, because you don't exactly know what's going on, but you know it's also not your responsibility to know what's going on. He's informing you of the, the, the high points of what goes on so that you can find comfort in the fact that he's got it under control. Now, if I want to sort of say, well, because I don't understand that, and I'm going to write in the details, I don't understand, there's no such thing as a surgeon even though he's standing right there and talking to you. Yeah, the problem is you you, you can't understand it. If he right. comes in there and he says, okay, this surgery is probably going to take about three hours, and I'm going to tell you every single thing that's going to take place, all the details, hmm. You even if he did that, you, you couldn't understand it. I don't want it's, to. It's, it's gross. Well, I, I, t- tell me you got it under control. Give me a couple high points and then tell me everything's going to be okay. Give me some gospel here. Um, it's gross. It is. Um, it's a hip replacement. It's not gross. It's, your blood and guts. And, I don't know. Um, so, so when we talk about this, though, uh, again, this is, this is part of a larger whole that, that we take on faith. Again, assuming that, well, whatever happened, Christ who is, is God and man, died on the cross and rose from the dead to forgive my sins and, and through the waters of baptism, name his child. There's going to be a limit to how I understand that works because, well, God is smarter than me. If I could completely understand everything God was up to, my God is not particularly impressive. When, when, we, yeah. when we start to, to kind of get into the, you know, the nitty-gritty, especially with, with people out there who are, are challenged by the faith, um, I, I think that sometimes we get put on our heels um, 
in a way that, that makes us almost embarrassed of God. Rather, we should be going on the offensive here. Like in, instead of saying, well, I'm, I'm embarrassed because I can't prove exactly every step of this, this thing, and so clearly it must not be true, go on the offensive and, and say, look how impressive God is. You're right. Of course he does things I can't understand. Why wouldn't you expect the God of the universe to be bigger than your mind? Why wouldn't you expect that that the things he does would be different from your imagination? It, yeah, these are, in, in the end, that's where we have to be. And, and this is the issue. And I think we've all had that. We've all had conversations uh, with family members or friends or classmates or all of this sort of stuff where they do bring up these straw man arguments. They do, they do bring up the whole idea that uh, if, if you can't understand it all, or if things don't make complete and utter rational sense in, in every single minute detail, uh, then that proves that it's wrong. So if, if, they, can, if they can say, well, yeah, uh, did Christ uh, descend into hell in his, in his uh, flesh? And was he wearing any clothes? And he would burn up and his body would burn. Hence, all of Christianity's wrong. It's, it's just silly. Right. And so this straw man argument, which it, it, it's, it's an argument that's not real, like the straw man that chases away the crows. We, we hang this thing out there and we say, look, look how silly this is. Let's all run away from it. That's, that's no way to actually approach something seriously. Rather, this is given as an image for our comfort. This is why we do theology. It's about comfort. It's, it's comfort for troubled consciences. And so the image of Christ descending into hell, kicking open the doors, being victorious over the, the, the demons that are down there, that's actually given for our comfort. And this is how it it has been historically presented. Like there's a bunch of art about this where, where Christ is like rushing into hell with, with a banner behind him, with waving the flag and, and, and stepping on the devil. There, there's pictures of him like ripping people out of the mouth of the beast. Um, that, that what's, what's presented here isn't simply a, a literal explanation of what's going on, but, but imagery that is to, to speak to your comfort. It's, it's what good art inside of the church is always supposed to do. Yeah, and let's, let's make a, uh, just a, a quick distinction uh, in, in what you're saying there. Mm -hmm. when, when we say the Apostles' Creed and we say, and he descended into hell, mm -hmm. that, that's not a picture of something. He, he did that. He literally did that. True. Uh, what, what, what you're speaking about is, when we, is when we how, it. how we present it, how we actually depict it. Now, obviously, and, and see, this is where uh, the, well, the Book of Concord would call it the sophists. Mm -hmm. um, but this is where uh, the what? the opponents of the church would would come against us and say, "Well, look, your your artwork about Christ descending into hell has has him wearing a robe, and he's he's got a banner. Is that a cloth banner? Is that a paper banner? And <laughs> How come so, it's what not kind? On fire? Why isn't it on fire? And oh, there's gates there. Okay, so is it made? Is is hell made out of brick? Is it made out of iron bars? What type of locks were there? Dude, stop. It has. It has all of these sorts of, again, straw man arguments. And we have this artwork, again, for our comfort. This is the way in which, yes, this, this is what Christ did. And you know what? I can't, I can't understand what the descent into hell fully meant. I can't tell you step by step what he actually did. What I know that he did in doing that is he undoes all of the power of Satan. It's done in his descent of, of hell, descent into hell. And so the artwork or Christian artwork, what does that show? Yeah, it shows uh, Christ with a banner stepping on Satan's head. 
Is is that what literally happened? I don't know. It'd be sweet if it did, maybe, but mm. I don't know, right? right? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it was just him showing up and and uh, his his presence uh, sent them all scurrying into dark holes. I don't know. I don't know what literally happened, but the artwork helps us. Right. It, it paints a picture again that that goes toward comfort. When I look at these, literally, 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 it a um, picture. Great word. Great uh, literal use of the word literally. Um, <laughs> It, it paints a picture, though, where, where we can actually see with our eyes an image of what was done on the cross where Christ destroyed death. He literally kicked open the doors to, to, to the grave so firmly that, that, well, they can't hold us there anymore. He, he literally kicked it open so that if you want to stay down there, you have to choose to stay down there. Like if you want to, to, um, to go into to hell, you have to choose to go in there, shut the door and lock yourself in because they just, they don't hold you anymore. It, it's not that kind of prison. Christ has destroyed the prison that is death and the grave by his death and burial and resurrection. When, when we and descent into and hell. descent into hell, which happened in between there. And so when we talk about the descent into hell, we're going to talk about it in relation to what's going on around it. So the, the descent into hell is not a purely unique doctrine, but it is tied wholly and completely to the passion of our Lord, to his death and resurrection. So that when I see him die upon the cross, say it is finished, and I can say, yeah, it is. And then I know that somewhere between there and Easter morning, he descends into hell. What he's about down there has to do with that whole death and resurrection thing, that whole death being undone thing. And so I love the pictures of him sort of pulling people out of out of the, the torment of the grave. I love the pictures of, of him stepping on the devil with a banner saying, death itself has been defeated. This place down here is not for the believers. Correct. <laughs> Sorry, I was... <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking was... about cheese. <laughs> Uh, you stopped really quick. See, I don't know what you do with it because you have these wonderful rants <laughs> and they're all good. Uh, I don't know how long they're going to last. Yeah, me neither. Because, <laughs> because you don't ever breathe in between them. And then all of a sudden, just sometimes you just stop. Yeah, yeah they, they stop when they stop, me. man. I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, I get that. I don't know what I'm well, going to so say. This, 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 well, I, I, I think I know where you're going to and heading and, and bringing us Let's not get there yet, because yeah. this, this talk let's talk a little bit about uh, a, a little bit more about the artwork, mm. because we do have this this ho- holy churchly artwork history uh, within the church. Uh, f- again, all of it for the for the reason of uh, proclaiming theology, uh, goodness to our senses, to our eyes. We can actually see uh, with our eyes. The descent into hell and it helps us it gives us it grants us this comfort and so all of this this church work uh, church artwork is is for good good purposes but i know that you wanted to bring up i'm going to throw you under the bus uh pastor harrison i know you wanted to bring up the difference the difference between a good church artwork and bad i want to say a different word a bad church, church artwork, artwork. Yeah, it wasn't uh, that let's much. let's just say, um, let's just say. Why, why is artwork important? Let, why do we have it? Yeah, let's just say the art that we hang in our church isn't just that we would say um, that, that we would identify it as this is a church, but that, like you said, this would um, preach to our eyes instead of our ears. That it, the art in our church should be 
for the same purpose that the sermon is in our church. It should be for the comfort of troubled consciences. It should profess what we believe. It should rightly um, distinguish between law and gospel, and it should grant hope and peace to those who gaze upon it. And so there is then a difference between good and bad church work. And I'm not just saying like the bad church work is the bad church art. Artwork. Bad church yeah. art is me drawing with stick figures. Um, as opposed to somebody else's beautiful painting of um, white Jesus uh, dribbling a basketball with little kids, um, it's not, you want you want some homework, internet? Uh, yeah, check it out. Um, Google it. Jesus balling out. Um, here's a picture, um, and it's terrible art because it doesn't actually teach anything about what our our faith is. Good artwork yeah, inside of the a, church. He's got a good. He's got a good crossover. He does. Um, <laughs> he would have the best killer crossover ever he would take tim hardaway tim hardaway was this basketball player back in the uh, 90s uh, he played with the golden state warriors he had what was called the killer crossover now, i don't know if you're familiar with that harris is just staring at me right now because uh, this is the stupidest thing in the world <laughs> all right <sorry>. no <laughs> So, um, but this is actually my point. Like, there, there are certain things that you don't need to compare Jesus to. Um, comparing Jesus to Tim Hardaway, as great as his crossover was, um, not a useful endeavor. Um, so, so when we talk about Jesus being portrayed in art in our church, um, th there is a good way and a bad way to do it. And that doesn't just mean that, that you get the details uh, of his skin tone all right, although... Um, Blue-eyed Jesus, um, I doubt it. Middle East, just saying. Um, but the, the Jesus that is portrayed in your church should be doing Jesus stuff. He should be dying on the cross, rising from the dead, pulling you out of the tomb. The, the Jesus of the scriptures is the justification Jesus. He is the second article of the creed Jesus. And so when we see him, he should be about the second article things. When you see pictures of, of the Holy Spirit, he's tied to the means of grace in your church so that you can actually know that God is present. And so you'll see pictures then of, of the dove flying above the font. You, you'll see pictures of um, what? You're laughing at me. No, I'm laughing at uh, Jesus played basketball. Did you Google pictures. it? Oh man, he got game. He does. Um, that's bad <laughs> church art. So when when we gather around, um, and we actually are given something to look at, and you can see it in stained glass. Uh, your church might have uh, even a crucifix in there, a, a, a cross with a big dead Jesus hanging on it, so you can actually look at it and say, "I know that my sins were forgiven, and I know that my enemy's sins were forgiven because look at where my God died for me." The art in the church is is so so important because it starts to speak to the larger reality uh, of the victory that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is such a thing as bad church art because you can look at it and not understand anything more about God than he balls out. Um, that's not helpful. No, I, I, no, I like how you're putting that because, again, let's, let's draw the distinction between we're, we're not saying that uh, only great Renaissance art uh, depicting Jesus from Michelangelo and Da Vinci and all of these wonderful uh, that's not the type of art that you're talking about. It, it doesn't have to be that. No. It, it it could be a modern day painter painting in a modern day way, but let's make sure that the Jesus that he's painting is doing, like you said, Jesus stuff. Right. And let's make sure that when I actually look at the art, I know what it is depicting to, to me, so that I could say, oh, there's the comfort, because uh, oh, it's Jesus in the manger, God became a man. For me, awesome. It's not this ambiguous uh, nothingness or 
or it's not this Jesus playing basketball. Right, and there it can actually start to take some liberties to preach. And so the, the really great Christian art, um, there's a whole sermon in that. And the more you look at it, the more you start to see that you would uncover more of your theology. And so even in modern artists, so um, Ed Rios has been um, a big uh, helper to, to hire things. Um, his work is great and it's new stuff, but the more you look at it, the more you see. Um, one of my favorites from him, um, there, there's uh, Jesus dying on the cross and underneath it, there's there's the serpent where, where you see um, Genesis 3.15, where the promised child finally came to crush the head of the serpent fulfilled. From the side of Jesus is flowing out blood and water, but there's an angel capturing them in a baptismal font and a chalice, that, that you would see the sacraments being brought to you and containing actually Jesus. Now, uh, again, yes, there, there's some liberty being taken here. Um, and if you want to get um, super sophisticated, like way too, you know, well, ridiculous in painting a straw man and trying to pick apart a whole religion. You, you can say, now, I, I don't think an angel caught the blood and the water in a cup and a, and a big stone font, but when I look at this art, I can start to see not only what my God is doing for me, but where I can find it being done. And the more that I look at this, again, the more comfort I would find. And that's just like a glimpse of the picture that I'm staring at in my wall right now, because there's like eight other details that are already popping to mind. Good Christian art grants comfort Bad Christian art is, well, it's just trying to fill room on a page or room on a wall because we figure that everybody should know Jesus is here in some capacity doing some stuff in some way, but we don't know. Because Jesus. Because Jesus. But the, the problem is, you can, for example, paint a picture of Jesus playing with little kids, um, and we know that Jesus likes little children, um, but what happens if you don't happen to feel as pure as they seem to look? Well, would Jesus want anything to do with you? Absolutely not. Not me. Um, I'm, <laughs> but he does. Let the little children come to why? me. Why? Do not hinder why? them. Why? Because such of such belongs the kingdom of yeah, God. Yeah, but what does this mean? It, it doesn't mean that they're innocent and, and that we are guilty. No, it, it means that absolutely. they're helpless, and Jesus wants to help the helpless. Exactly. Yeah, and, and so when when we're talking about the the church artwork for the descent into hell, again, it's it's for the purpose of proclaiming the theology of what he did. So what did Christ do? He completely destroyed the power of Satan. Mm -hmm. And and the the issue, the the odd thing is, I think, um, ironically, is when you try and delve too far into the details about how this took place. Um, when when you're trying to make uh, sense of everything, uh, we've talked about this already. Uh, we're we're gonna lose a lot of of what is actually Christ has done for us. Not as if uh, our our, our we actually have the ability to 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 take any of that away, uh, but we lose it for us. Uh, so we we have that, and we talked about this with the with the Lord's Supper. Uh, we talk about this with uh, uh, Christ, uh, the person of Christ, his two natures. And it happens here too. So when we when we are actually uh, trying to make sense of every single aspect of the descent into hell, inevitably what we're, where we're going to end up is we're going to end up taking away the victory that Christ has and giving it back to the devil. And again, not in reality, but for us. Because... At the end of our argument, our rational logic isn't going to be able to make complete and utter sense of Christ's descent into hell, and therefore we are going to make that straw man argument and say, uh, oh, it didn't really happen, or it couldn't have happened, or it couldn't have happened in the full and complete way, 
And therefore, we are actually taking this victory, uh, casting doubt to it, and give it, putting it back into the hands of Satan. Right, and, and even just as, as much, um, the more we want to get caught up in the color of the banner or the, the odd little detail, the more you lose sight of the gospel, which is the whole point of, of this being included in the creed, that Christ has conquered the grave. When we do this in the world too, you can ruin somebody's story just as well. They want to tell you about this really cool thing that happened on their vacation and they're, they're trying to get to it and they're just getting to the best part of the story and, and they're starting to maybe talk a little bit faster. They're so excited about it and you interrupt them and you're like, now hang on, what color were the floor mats in the rental car? I'm not saying that there weren't floor mats. I'm not even saying that they weren't dirty and gray. I'm saying it has nothing to do with the larger story. The, the whole point that we're telling you this is so that you can know that a seagull stole my sandwich. Um, the whole point that, that we know that Christ descended into hell um, is so that you can know that he has conquered death. If you want to get too bogged down into the details, I'm not saying they're not real details. I, I'm saying that you're intentionally trying to ruin the story about my vacation, and it's mean, so stop it, Pastor Lito. Um what type of seagull was it? It was a mean seagull because it stole my sandwich. Um, <laughs> so, so when we when we're dealing with this, then we we talk about the descent into hell um, in light of the gospel that Christ, who has died on the cross and risen from the dead, destroyed death. And this is how Luther wants to approach it in in the sermon. Well, and this is an interesting thing too because I think when when we're saying the creed. Uh, when maybe new Christians or, or I know that I've had this with my confirmants. Uh, I, I talk about, okay, this descent in, into hell. And I, I try and simplify it really easily. But I, I ask this question. I say, hey, this descent into hell, is this part of Christ's punishment for sin? Is, is this part of his, his humiliation, if it were, as it were? And we hear this descent into hell and we automatically think, well, yes, what hell's right? For. This is... That's what hell's for. So it's it's got to be the uh, more bad stuff that Jesus is taking on. It's not. This descent into hell is good. It, it's his victory lap. It's him going down dance. there and preaching end zone dance, the icky wood shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is him going down there and preaching a sermon of victory to Satan. And saying, hey, that cross, that cross is your death. You're done. Mm -hmm. I win. And I'm bringing everyone who believes in me with me. You've got nothing over mm -hmm. them. Absolutely nothing. That's fair. What a, what, a, what a phenomenal sermon. I mean, I would have loved to hear that sermon. I, Peter talks about that, right? He goes down there. And, proclaims uh, the spirits uh, in prison. First, first Peter, Exactly. I would have loved to hear that. In time, I know I, know I will. Just, just let me run with this a little bit. <laughs> I would have loved to actually hear this sermon and just see uh, Satan and all the demons just trembling for however long Christ was preaching this sermon in whatever way Christ was preaching it, whether he was actually using words or if it was just his presence or if he had a banner and he was literally stepping on Satan's neck. I would have just loved to see that. Okay, but, but how long was the, the sermon? Because you make fun of my short sermon. So what if his sermon was only like eight minutes? Are you going to make fun of it? I'm just, I'm just... For, for the five minutes that it was or for the three days that it was? Ooh. I just, it would have been phenomenal. 
And I know, I, yeah, we get to hear it. We get to hear That'd it every good. Sunday. Hopefully, your hopefully your pastor gets to preach that and does preach it every Sunday to you. Right, and, and even more specifically, there there's a day in our church calendar that is almost entirely devoted to this, and it's largely because this is when Luther himself uh, really preached on the descent into hell, and that's the Easter vigil, that that Saturday service that happens right before Easter Sunday, where where we wait. Where, where we recognize that there's more being done than our eyes can see, but we wait in expectation and hope and even a little bit of joy, knowing that as dark as it is this night, Christ himself is already preaching the victory sermon, even if it's in hell itself. Um, and, and he will rise, and we will rise. Easter Vigil is awesome. You should go. Yes. No, it's it's one of my... it I, it I That and, and Christmas Midnight Service, I think, are my two favorite uh, uh, services the, the whole year. Easter Vigil is phenomenal. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's that service right. of darkness turning into light. Um, and, and again, the imagery is, is, is powerful. All right. So, Pastor Goodman, let's, uh, let's move along a little bit here because there's a lot. Oddly enough, this is the, 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 shortest, uh, the shortest article in the whole thing, but there's a lot that we can cover yeah, here. Yeah, we, we talk a lot. Yeah, we do. Um, so, our English uh, does a horrible job. Uh, with theology a lot of times. Uh, and so we get we get this blanket word hell, and that can mean a number of different things. Right. Uh, sometimes in our English translation, when we're looking at the Bible, we, we uh, have different uh, words. We'll have Sheol, we'll have Gehenna, uh, we'll have Hades, we'll have hell itself. Um, but I... I don't know if we necessarily know what to do with all those. Do they all mean the exact same thing? Do they mean different things? Because when we say he descended into hell, what is, okay, so what, where, what, which one, how far? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. There's, it's, it's a confusing thing, and I don't know that all of them necessarily mean the same thing. Um, and so, like, the question then is when Christ descended into hell, and I look at the picture of him, like, sort of reaching in there and, and, and helping people, um, while he, while he stands on the devil's head, does that mean that like Moses went to hell because he happened to die before Jesus came there? Moses, who was faithful, Moses, who was actually talked about as a saint, is, is he being punished because Jesus didn't die yet? And we would say, well, no. No, he, he didn't. And yet that hell is the hell that, that we're all in. Perfect. Right? Every single one of us. And, and so I guess in artwork where you have this, this artwork of, of Jesus uh, taking us out of the mouth of the beast, again, this isn't us uh, down in hell, but it's, the, it's, it's us being uh, taken from and saved from the power of the devil. Death. Too. And so it, it's, it's death. Yes. Sin, death, and the devil, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's us being uh, brought forth from this and Jesus is is the very one doing this and and so it's him undoing the power of of Satan it's it's the same way it's the same way as uh, uh, last week when we talked about uh, uh, Christ seated at the right hand of the Father that isn't a literal place uh, the right hand of the Father is his uh, power and authority over all things well here in this de- depiction uh, Christ is taking us from the power of 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 satan and sin and death because he conquered them right and so when luther talks about this he doesn't necessarily want to get bogged down into is this sheol or hades or or gehenna he says look look at how this is attached to your being saved from sin the wages of uh, of sin death 
the, the power of the devil. Look at how you have the victory. And, and this is maybe the, the right way to approach it, that if you want to sort of say, now how hot is it and are there pitchforks, recognize that there, there is, well, an image of, of, well, the pains of death today, here, now. That, that we are, um, right now, in a state of body in decay, heading towards death because of sin. And so when we talk about Christ's descent into hell, we talk about it in relation to this, that he is destroying death as he has forgiven sin, that he has robbed the devil of his ability to accuse you of it and punish you for it. And so when we talk about this, um, we, we talk about this in light, again, of, of not the details of, um, of, of the outer darkness, because what has that to do with you, O Christian? You, you're one rescued by, by God. Rather recognize that this is the state of all of us right now. Um, you're heading towards the grave and Christ pulls you out of it. Um, there, there was another wonderful Easter Vigil sermon uh, by somebody actually a better preacher than Luther by, by the name of John Chrysostom, whose Chrysostom was a, a name given to him, um, kind of like Jesus Christ is, isn't um, his, his last name, but Christ is the Messiah. It's, it's not. not. <laughs> Christ is the Messiah. Um, you know it. So Chrysostom literally means golden tongue. This 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 dude could preach. Um, and so he he preached a very, very famous Easter sermon. And I'm going to grab just a little chunk of it again because he's talking about Christ's descent into hell in this Easter vigil sermon. Uh, Chrysostom wrote, He has despoiled Hades by descending into Hades. He vexed it even as, he, even as it tasted of his flesh. Isaiah foretold this when he cried. Hades was filled with bitterness when it met thee face to face below. Filled with bitterness, for it was brought to nothing. Filled with bitterness, for it was mocked. Filled with bitterness, for it was overthrown. Filled with bitterness, for it was put in chains. Hell received a body and encountered God. It received earth and confronted heaven. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? This is just as good as preaching gets to me. This is the fullness of the, of the article that we're talking about right now. Christ in his body descended into hell. That, that hell was vexed as it, was, as it tasted the flesh of God. That, that hell was filled with bitterness and utterly brought to nothing. That was mocked and overthrown as Christ descended there to preach the victory. That hell actually received the body of God. It, it, it received all the, the grave of earth that, that was ever since the, the sin of Adam being brought to nothing and then confronted heaven. Heaven not as a cloud, but heaven as, as the incarnate God brought there to proclaim the victory and undo the power of death so that even while we can say it's awful dark down there, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? This, this to me is, is such a, a joy, not because we're, we're getting bogged down into the details, but the details actually paint a picture of a larger glory being done, that God would descend even into the grave to pull us back out. Yeah, he's a pretty good oh, preacher. Oh, he's phenomenal. <clears throat> Nathan, sorry. It's a pretty short sermon, too. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, you actually have to... I mean, the words have to be good for you to preach a short yeah, I know. sermon. Um, I'm, you just can't. Just preaching a short sermon doesn't mean that it's good. No, Chrysostom was both, though. Uh, um, he's got some longer ones, too. <laughs> but but this is just, this is as good as preaching gets. I mean, I'm, I'm going to put Peter's Pentecost sermon up first, and then I'm gonna, I think I'm going to put Chrysostom's Easter Vigil sermon second. Uh, no, I'm putting uh, Jesus' uh, proclamation in hell. All right, we don't have that see, one. You're I'm, right, but See, I'm better. Right. I'm better than you. <laughs> yeah, you are. Okay. Because Jesus is number one in my book. I bet you have a picture <laughs> of him playing basketball in your room. Um, I do. Jesus Shuttlesworth. 
So what does this mean, <laughs> Pastor? Um, what what does Christ descent into hell mean? What? I think we what, have we been talking right, about but that? hit the now and it means hit, that that death is done. Oh, you want to hit the now? Yeah, I want to hit the now. Yeah, okay, sure. Well, yeah, okay. Uh, so Luther in his in in his sermon kind of wraps it up at the end, and he he talks about he talks about martyrs uh, going to their death. Uh, mocking the grave. Uh, he talks about martyrs going there, mocking uh, the people who are actually uh, going to murder them and kill them, uh, laughing with with joy. And the question is, how in the world are they doing this? Why why are they able to to to, to do this, knowing that uh, the tortures that are coming before them? Uh, he, he he speaks about uh, one. One holy martyr uh, imagining that every single torture that uh, was was taking place was just another tune that she could dance to. That's beautiful. So, what I mean, how do they do this? How do they know of this victory? I think it's the same way of of how uh, Paul talks about uh, knowing or being able to have uh, uh, joy and peace and comfort in all things, in suffering and in the best of times. Mm-hmm. In trials and temptations, and in in the most glorious uh, times of uh, of your life, what what this means for us is that again, Christ has this victory over sin, death, and the devil, and that we don't just have to wait for it. It's not that we will have it someday; it's that we have it now. It is ours right now. The victory over the grave is ours right now. The victory over Satan is ours right now. Victory over sin is ours right now. It's handed over to us. Why? Because Christ, our head, is the one who defeated it all on the cross and then preached that sermon in his descent into hell and then showed it in victorious resurrection and then ascended to heaven and had all of it placed under his feet. And if if our head is there, and he has made us to be his body, then we have to be there too. All of his victory has to be ours. When he preaches to, to the demons, uh, he, he preaches not only uh, do I have victory, because this victory isn't for him. This victory is for us. It's for us right now. So that this is, But this is the issue, right? This now and not yet. Because uh, everything in this world is telling me uh, differently. Everything in this world is screaming that I don't have this victory. And this is, this is what the devil does, too. When, when we read the, the large catechism and we dig into this uh, lead us not into temptation thing, right? I think we've talked about this before. Uh, what is the main way in which the devil tempts? It's, it's not to get me to, to steal a candy bar. I'm going to steal that candy bar on my own. <laughs> yeah, you did. They were trick-or-treaters. <laughs> from my, they were trick-or-treaters. From my kids. Well, yeah, they were my kids. Oh, okay. I stole it from That's there. That's the dad text. That's trick the thing. Tr- it's the dad text. It's mm. different. Uh, taxation is different. <laughs> 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 uh, but anyways, no, Satan is going to, uh, the number one way in which he is going to uh, tempt me is to uh, tempt me into disbelief. Tempt me into, A, believing that the gospel isn't real or that it's not for me. And this goes all the way back to uh, describe for me in full detail the descent into hell. Oh, you can't. That must mean it's not real. Well, that's horrible. 
Or, okay, maybe it's real, but it's not real for you. Because look at your life. You've got cancer. Look at your life. Your mom just died. Look at your life. You're dealing with this sin and you can't get over it. So obviously this gospel, if it is real, it's not for you. And Christ's victory over sin, death, and the devil, it doesn't look real because uh, the devil's whispering quite a lot into your ear. It's magnificent. I can't top that. Yeah, no. you can because I, I, left, I left it there. I left it with, uh, with Satan winning. So you gotta you gotta expound no, and say, want, Satan doesn't. Satan doesn't win, but I want you to keep doing. You're on a roll. I'm not gonna jump in on this. I don't know now. Now it's just gonna be played. Jesus wins. It's like it's like Jesus uh, uh, crossing there's over like that two seconds. There's there's two seconds left, <laughs> and uh, he does the killer crossover. On an eight-year-old. Uh, at, on an eight-year-old. Right, and then he uh, he dunks right in his face, and he wins the Bad game. Church art. <laughs> no, but the now. Okay, sorry. The now, but not yet. Uh, so this is where we do have to sit, right? We because we are sitting in the in the not yet, and so I'm sitting here uh, in a hospital bed, or I'm sitting here next to a hospital bed, and I'm watching all of this stuff take place. I'm watching death uh, decay, or goodness, I'm sitting at a at a funeral, and and I, I'm looking into that casket, and I'm seeing a dead body, and I'm seeing a victory uh, for death. Obviously, because there's a dead body there. And victory for the devil, obviously, because look, he's dead. And in that way, I can sit there and I can mourn. And in that way, I can sit there and I can weep. And yet, through it all, I can sit there and say, okay, because of Christ's descent into hell, where he proclaimed that he had the victory over all things, I can sit here and I can weep at the death of my loved one and yet still know that this picture that I see before me of a dead body is not the reality that is going to be, well, it's not the reality. It's Christ has won the victory and has given it to this poor dead body too. And so the victory is his even as he awaits the resurrection. And the victory is mine, even as I have to sit here and weep and, and mourn the loss of, of my loved one. So I can do both. I can weep, and I can have joy in weeping. And I should. So, yeah, with, with that taste of victory, um, recognize that when you say the creed, um, what you're talking about when you say Christ descended into hell is nothing less than that comfort of, of, of the, the not yet, the nothing less than the victory that we have as Christ has destroyed sin, death, and the power of the devil. And then rejoice. The victory is yours. Absolutely. All right, internet. Je Jesus for the three-pointer win. Swish. <sighs> I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks, Internet. We out. <laughs>